attention, attention all personnel. It's MASHCAST. Hello and welcome to MASHCAST, the show that analyzes and celebrates episode by episode the greatest TV series of all time, MASH, which aired on CBS from 1972 to 1983. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, I'm your host, Corporal Captain Rob Kelly. And joining us this week in the VIP tent is Captain Paul Wildenberger. Hi, Paul. Hi, Rob. How are you? I'm doing great. Great to have you here. This is very exciting. This is your first time on the show. Uh, So, again, thank you for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. So, the episode we're here to talk about is Season 2, of course, Episode 33, Dear Dad 3, original air date November 10th, 1973. It's written by Larry Gelbart and Lawrence Marks. Great team there. And directed by Don Weiss. Uh, Before we get to the episode, though, I need to ask you, Paul, what's your your history with MASH? Well, uh, for MASH, to me, it's always been on. Now, granted, it didn't start until I was three years old, but that's, as far as I'm concerned, I, there's never been a, a time that I can, can't remember watching MASH on TV. I've, I've watched it uh, the first run. I watched it in syndication. To me, I, they, they all kind of ran together. I'd, I'd get confused. I'm like, well, there's BJ, but then who's this guy Trapper? <laughs> so, you know, but, you know, it's all right. You know, Hawkeye was there. Radar was there. Klinger was there. I, I was good. And did you watch it? Like, did you remember watching the final episode when it aired? Oh, yes. I, I, made an event of it it was just me it was just me if me and in, in the ba- i sat in a basement uh we had a tv down there it was, fin- it was finished basement don't don't get me wrong i wasn't wasn't a seller that they put me in. <laughs> it's like pipe stripping and stuff like that. <laughs> no i was in a basement you know sat in, sat in the recliner down there had my snacks had my drink I, why my family was upstairs watching something else i have no idea i was I downstairs even... watching mash I didn't even know that there was other television on that <laughs> night. I thought they just ran blank screen or something. That's right. I would. Wow. Well, there is very cool. Excellent. So again, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Uh, this is a, this is Dear Dead Three. So as the title suggests, this is the third of the episodes where it is Hawkeye writing a letter to his dad, and that's what it opens with. It's Hawkeye writes a letter home to his father. This time, the problem is boredom. Without lots of wounded to care for, there is nothing to do at the 477th. Trapper is so bored, he's taken to playing cards with Frank, which quickly breaks down into a screaming match. A few patients do require extra attention. One is Private Condon, played by Mills Watson, who, when he sees Nurse Bayless retrieving a pint of blood, asks Hawkeye to make sure he, quote, doesn't get any of that darky stuff, unquote. Another is a wounded soldier who arrives in pre-op with an unexploded grenade embedded inside of him. Surrounded by sandbags, Hawkeye, Hawkeye and Henry pry it out. Hawkeye and Trapper decide to pull a prank on Condon. When he is sedated, they paint him with some sort of solution that temporarily colors his skin a few shades darker. In the meantime, Hawkeye and Trapper watch a home movie of Henry's in his office, and we get our only glimpse of what Henry's life was like back home. We see his wife Lorraine throw a birthday party for his daughter Molly, ending them with a holding up sign saying they miss him. Everyone gets choked up, but the tears are changed to laughter when another piece of the film shows up. Henry goofing around with his diminutive neighbor, Milt Jaffe, and quote-unquote romancing Jaffe's curvy wife, Sylvia, silent film style. They enjoy it all so much, they decide to watch the movie all over again. Later, Condon wakes up and is upset by what he sees. He asks Lieutenant Bayless about it, and she assures him that she won't give him away, won't give away his attempt to pass. He make, to make matters worse, Klinger comes by, and when asked if Condon seems different, Klinger asks, are you sure you have the right color blood? It's happened before. The surgical staff has a monthly meeting, which quickly dissolves into a shambles once, that, once Hawkeye and Trapper make fun of Frank's middle name, Marion. Frank and Hollips have an argument, which is just as quickly turns into a moment of passion. Later in post-op, Condon flags down Hawkeye and Trapper, angry about his change of skin color. They act incredulous, asking, isn't skin all the same? 
Then they ask him if he's ever heard of Dr. Charles Drew. Dr. Drew invented the process for separating blood so it can be stored, plasma. He was later, he was later in a car accident, but he bled to death. The hospital wouldn't let him in. It was for whites only. Later, during the party at the swamp, Condon arrives ready to ship out. He thanks Hawkeye for giving him a lot to think about and takes a moment to salute Lieutenant Bayless. Hawkeye ends his letter on a happy note. So, Paul, uh, what do you think of this episode? Oh, I think this is a great episode. Yeah, well, it's MASH. Did, did I need to say that? Right, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it, I think this is a wonderful episode. It's nice little vignettes of the characters, nice character beats, nice, you know, developing you know, the characters as they go along, you know, without being one, except for the, the Condon story, not one long storyline. So, yeah, yeah no, it, I, th- I, thought, I thought it was just a really well-paced episode. Yeah, I mean, these I, anybody that's familiar with television writing on any level knows that when they do an episode like this, it's clearly that the writers kind of had a grab bag of stories, uh, and none of which could fill a whole episode. So they decided, okay, we could take a bit from here and a bit from here and a bit from here and just stitch it together with somebody writing a letter. And, of course, Hawkeye writing a letter to his father was the, the most natural choice. And it's fine if, if, if those stories are compelling, and I think all of these stories are. Uh, so you don't really notice that it's sort of patched together uh, that from, from different sort of little bits and unrelated elements if all the stuff is compelling. And I like all of these stories. The stuff with uh, Private Condon is a, a really great story. And I was, I was looking this up, and it talks about that the, uh, the, um, the Red Cross was allowing blood segregation all the way up until the late 1960s. So even, yeah, though, even though it's medically nonsense – it was still going on all the way until almost my lifetime. So you could see why there would be people like this guy who was obsessed with the fact that somehow nurse, that Ginger Bales was going to give him the wrong color blood or something. Right. So, and I, and I like the performance by Mills Watson. I mean, he's probably mostly TV watchers familiar with, uh, he, he was uh, on Sheriff Lobo. He also appeared in the A-Team. He was in the movies Papillon, Cujo, Up in Smoke. Uh, he's still around. He retired a long time ago, but he's, he's still around. And I, it's a fun gag is that they paint his skin color and they get, they get ginger in on it. I love when she sort of uh, talks into kind of like jive lingo almost where she's like, you know, good job, baby. Like she's yeah. all of a sudden talking like a seventies exploitation, black exploitation movie. I love that. And that's a good moment for her. Cause I like it when he, he gets kind of smart with her and she's like, watch your math, Lieutenant. I'm still, a, I'm still a Lieutenant in this man's army. Like I like all that, that she's, she's willing to go along with the joke, but then she's, She's not going to take too much garbage from. Right, yeah. Ginger was really a full-fledged cast member with this episode. Pretty close. Yeah, because she, she was in a number of scenes, not just and not just having to do with Condon. Right, right. So I like all that, and then the the bit about the unexploded grenade in the soldier. I mean, that's just a very brief little bit, but I mean, I can't. I always figured that like a a grenade embedding itself mm-hmm. into human flesh is so horrific. Like I can't uh-huh. even, I don't even understand the physics of that. How can right. the wound, wh- how did it, how did it get there and not explode? I don't even really get how that would work. Right. In Hawkeye's, in Hawkeye's letter, he made it sound like this is not an uncommon thing. Like right. they've, they've done this before. Right. Uh, there's a funny little, related to that little bit of storyline. There's a funny little moment where, uh, when, when Raider comes in and it's during a war, Raider comes in and he tells Henry about the patient with the grenade and Henry speaks to someone off screen and he says, Collins, you take over here. Who's Collins? <laughs> <laughs> Who is that? Is that another doctor we've never met? That's like, I, I mean, as far as I know, you can't have multiple nurses 
take the place of a doctor. You need to have a surgeon. So I always wonder, I want to like stop the episode and go, wait a minute, hold on. Who, who is this Colin person you're talking to, Henry? I love this. For, for the sake of continuity, I just assumed it was a, that he was just closing up and there was a nurse. Uh, maybe it's, there's another doctor we don't know about. That's a, that you get your no prize for that, Paul. That'll be yeah. They, you, you have to assume that yeah, he's very near the end, and then so right. they just need a nurse to close him up. One little bit is funny though, is because that whole sequence is done kind of in real time, and so you hear Radar tell Henry about the, the you know the, he's oh where is he? Oh he's in he's in uh, pre-op, and then the camera pans over and we see that there is already almost six foot high worth of sandbags. Right. In pre I'm like, well, those guys work fast. They got all those sandbags. <laughs> and, uh, it took them like two minutes to stack that many sandbags. It was like, well done, uh, Corman. I mean, they did a pretty good job. Well, how long was Radar sitting on that x-ray before he came in? Come on. Seriously, yeah. yeah. I mean, my God, I don't know. They're really going to hurry that up. So um, another bit with uh, – I don't mean to go back to it, but another bit with, with Condon, of course, is – and this is a, a great little character moment – is where when Condon wakes up and he sees that his skin is darker – and he tries to flag down Frank because he's like, hey, Doc. And, and Frank just ignores him. And he says something like, I'm running late, soldier. There's a lot of ward people here. And you're like, that's a, an indication of what a shitty doctor Frank is. <laughs> that he, here's a patient needs help, but he does it. He could care less. I love right. that as a little character moment for Frank Burns. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's really bit. Now, of course, uh, the, the story that they get him with at the end about Dr. Charles Drew uh, is not right. Right, urban uh, legend it, kind of thing. It's an urban legend that there was a man accompanying Dr. Drew, and he says that Drew's injuries were just too severe, and he received, uh, received proper medical care, but he just there was just no chance he was going to survive. So that story is not true. Now, of course, it doesn't really matter because the guy is being ridiculous anyway. Right. So it doesn't, it, it doesn't matter that the story doesn't make any sense. But for anybody that wants to use a fictional television show as a – uh, a way to learn history. It's probably not the best thing to do because, again, it's it's not it's not actually true. And I, you know, I kind of wonder back then, did they not research it? Did they just was that kind of accepted wisdom? Because I would imagine that if you were, you know, I don't know, if you were Doctor Drew's family and you saw that, you might get upset. You know, you might right. kind of be like, well, that's not right. That that, yeah. that makes it sound like he he could have survived when. You know, when he didn't survive what he could have. I, I think that might be a little upsetting to somebody, and if they were close to him. Right. Yeah, I, under, I understand that. That was, for my research, that was an urban legend that had gone wrong for years, and Mash just reinforced it. And get, you know, I grew up thinking that was true. It wasn't right. until yeah, recently that I looked into it. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm like, oh, okay. Um, there's a fun little. I love uh, transposing money from the 50s to now because, of course, uh, Hawkeye, <laughs> Hawkeye refers to the fact. Uh, when the about the patient with the grenade in his in his body, and he says there's got to be an easier way for a soldier, a, sur- a surgeon to make four hundred thirteen dollars and fifty cents a month. That would be equivalent to four thousand forty two dollars a month Oof. today. So that's not that's not yeah. bad money. I mean, right. that's almost five hundred grand a year. That's actually yeah. pretty good money to be in the service. I would I would get. I mean, right. I'm sure if you're a surgeon, you're pretty valuable. But that for, when you hear it, you're like four hundred thirteen dollars. You you immediately think of four hundred thirteen dollars of today's money. And right. you're like, well, that's not, that's nothing. But 1950, that actually went pretty far. Right. But if you were making that four thousand plus dollars and had to take out a live shell, I still don't think it'd be enough. Yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. There is right. no amount of money you're going to get paid for that. So probably the best scene in this whole sequence, I would think, and we'll see if you agree, is Henry's home movie. Oh, uh, it, it's it's the biggest chunk of the show. Uh, we get to see you know uh, uh, all the stuff about what Henry's life was back at home, and from what I've heard about. 
television is that when actors work on a show where they are limited to one set of costumes, whether it be kind of like Star Trek or MASH, where generally everybody just wears the same clothes, they really love it when they get to do something different. And here McLean Stevenson gets to wear his tennis shoes and his T-shirts and his shorts. And he just looks like he's having the time of his life when he's goofing around uh, with his neighbors and stuff. I think the, the whole sequence is really beautiful. Right. That, that's one of the notes that I, I you know, as I was re- watching the episode again uh, yesterday, I, was, I noticed how much fun McLean Stevenson seemed to be having doing that. I said, that must have just been a ball. It's like, you know, did, I wonder if, how much of that storyline was scripted versus just, oh, improv. Just do, you know, right. do something funny. Right, because they don't have. There's no dialogue. You know, there's no right. sound on these videos, which again is a nice detail. You know, right. that all the all the home movies that ever come over to Match Four Seven Seven, there's no sound because of course they wouldn't have sound. They didn't have right. that back then. I like the colors of it, and we see um, Henry's wife Lorraine, which is by the way, this is the first time she's called Lorraine. Right. Previously, she had been called Mildred, which of course would be the name they would use for Colonel Potter's wife. <laughs> but here, here she's Lorraine, and she's played by Kathleen Hughes. And a lot of you are hearing this. You may not know that name, but you know her face. She appeared in the movie It Came From Outer Space. (laughs) And that shot of her with her hands up by her face screaming, that is like the iconic shot from that movie. And it's one of the most iconic symbols of 50s sci-fi cinema. And that is her. So that's the same actress. So it's it's uh, this kind of fun little detail that she doesn't get any lines here, but she's credited. And you know, she, of course, went on to much greater fame uh, uh, later on. And it's sort of funny when you think about that, that still of her is from the 50s. This scene is set in the 50s, but, of course, the show was shot in 1973. So this was a good 20-plus years almost after she had become so famous. Right. And I love the fact that she used yeah, – on her IMDb page – that picture you're referring to of her screaming is her yeah, yeah. shot. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> so uh, the other actors in the scene, we have Milt Jaffe. He's played by Arthur Abelson. He was in Marriage Tyler Moore, Love American Style, and Alice. He's got a distinct look. He's this tiny little guy. He looks almost like a, a Mickey Rooney type guy. He's very, very short. He's got right. the the the, um, oh, the suspenders. So he's this kind of old-timey look. And then the wife, Sylvia Jaffe, uh, is played by Louise Vienna Keen. She was in the movie The Fortune Cookie with uh, Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau. And then she was in an episode. She has no credits after this until an episode, a single episode of The Young and the Restless 20 years later. That's right. And I, I always wonder, how do you end up not doing anything for 20 years and then end up in an episode of Young and the Restless? <laughs> I don't understand that. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, on, on, yeah, I've done some community theater and things over the years. I like to think she was doing doing stage work. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. I love uh, when she finally comes on screen and she's in her short shorts. And you just have Henry kind of mutter to himself, boy, that Sylvia Jaffe is loaded for bear. He's just kind of <laughs> <laughs> Henry, relax, okay? Keep, calm down, calm down. You, know, we... you, just, you just saw your wife on screen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we already know that she has, like, the best legs. I think we find out in a later episode that she has the best legs in all of the county or something. So well, you shouldn't be looking around and stuff. But, and then, of course, that scene when he punches Milt Jaffe, at the end, he kisses Milt right on the lips. <laughs> Kind of a that was a great touch. Slightly little progressive moment there to see. Right. Um, a few other things worth mentioning in this episode in terms of the details is we see Father Mulcahy boxing for the first time. Yes. Henry talks about – or Hawkeye talks about people like to keep a good physical condition. And we see uh, Mulcahy with his boxing gloves and he's punching – he's uh, like punching a, a duffel bag. And that, would, of course, would be something that would continue on with the character throughout. 
I love during, the fact that he blesses the duffel bag. Yes, yeah, he gives it a little <laughs> cross with his with his with his gloves on. And then during the scene with the um, the, uh, the the staff meeting, uh, Radar mentions that the last at the last staff meeting, a reunion party was suggested that everybody get together back home, and uh, it, it it failed because no no. Uh, no single person voted for it, but of course that would become the basis of an episode, right? Uh, a bunch of years down the line, that very premise, <laughs> and that um, I've mentioned before about how uh, these episodes feature large chunks of new scenes because a lot of them were cut in syndication. So when I got to the DVDs, I was like, "Wow, I'd never seen this before." The, the syndicated version of this episode, that staff meeting, is almost entirely removed. They just lopped that whole scene out. Mm-hmm. As opposed to taking trims from different episodes, uh, different scenes, that scene is almost cut entirely. In the syndicated version, you have the everybody takes role, and you have Hawkeye say, "I suggest uh, if someone isn't here, it's if someone's not here, it's because they're not here, or just some sort of double talk." And then the scene just cuts, mm-hmm. and it goes over, moves over to something else. But in this, it goes on for like a good three to four minutes. Yeah. Uh, and then the last little bit of of detail, and it's a weird little filler, is that the scene of Frank and Hot Lips, where they argue with each other, and then they start slapping each other, and then it turns into sex, is that scene is completely lifted from another episode, from another Dear Dad episode. Right, Dear Dad again, wasn't it? Yeah, and then in that episode, we see just a brief clip of this scene with Hawkeye talking over it, and then here we see the full scene, so they must have, I don't know, maybe this... This episode ran short, and they realized they had extra footage lying around. I don't know; it's kind of baffling. Well, because they obviously refilmed it, because you know they're 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 dressed. You know, she's still in bed with the rollers in her hair, but she's got you know, like pink and dear dad again, and blue in this one, and so it's. it's oh, like, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. That's, oh, geez. Okay, I didn't so realize they, that. They just they just yeah re- recycled that part of the script. Oh, that's fun. Oh, I never realized. I thought it was just literally reused footage. I never uh, noticed that. Oh, that's funny. Okay, all right, I like that. And then the uh, the uh, the one us little other detail too later on in the party scene uh, where uh, Hawkeye is saying good, saying goodbye to Dad, we see Henry hurting, hitting on uh, Nurse Sheila, played by Sheila Lauritsen, and clearly, but you look at look at Nurse Sheila, she looks like she's fifteen. <laughs> she's very yellow. So when I see Henry hitting on her, I, I get a little creeped up. And she just giggles. He talks about promoting you in the field or promoting you back in your tent, and she just kind of giggles like she's not thinking him seriously. But she just looks way too young for Henry. I'm sorry. I, I wonder if she was a former cheerleader. You know, Henry's got a type. That's true. He does. <laughs> he likes those. So, uh, and then the the only other character we see show up. Uh, she doesn't. I think she. Oh, she does get a line at the end. Is where right. Nurse Lindstrom, played by Sylvie Aberg, where he sings a plane making whoopee, and she says, "What is this whoopee?" Uh, she was in episodes of Batman. She was in Mel Brooks' movie, Silent Movie, and she was in the 1973 cheapy Dr. Death, Seeker of Souls. <laughs> and the only reason I bothered to mention that movie is because it features the final cinematic or television appearance of Mo Howard of the Three Stooges. Really? He's in a horror movie. Yeah, the last wow. thing he ever did was in a horror movie. I don't know why, but he is. That's, so. that's, uh, that's just a weird <laughs> bit of history you've been yes, there. <laughs> the weirdest stuff you find on IMDb. Yeah. I'm just like, I have to include that. I, I, I kind of want to see that movie just for the sake of seeing Mo Howard yeah. in a horror movie. I don't know why he's in there, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, there he is. So I think, I think this is a really, again, it's, it, it doesn't hang together as a, as a, an episode necessarily because it doesn't feature one through through line, 
But I like all the individual stories, and especially the stuff with Condon and the stuff with Henry. I think that's really – I like it's got a little bit of the MASH social commentary, and then the stuff with the home video is, is really great. So altogether, I think it's a really fun episode. Oh, yes, very fun. Do you have a particular favorite uh, joke or, or scene or line from the show? I think that that uh, the Henry scene with the uh, home movie. Okay. Where he's explaining, oh, there's Mill Jaffe, the gynecologist next door. So, of course, Hawkeye's like, oh, that's handy. Everybody, everybody should have a gynecologist next door. <laughs> that, now, that's funny. But then when they cut to the movie and you hear Trapper in the background going, I'm afraid to ask what's on the other side. <laughs> I love that. Every time it gets me. Can I tell you? That's the exact same line that I had oh, here in my notes. That's the best line. I, do, I love. You've got good I, taste, Rob Kelly. Yeah, I love that. I love that, as you say, that like Trapper builds upon Hawkeye's joke. Mm-hmm. But I love his the way Wayne Rogers reads that line. He just kind of mutters to himself, like, hey, yeah. see what's on the other side. <laughs> that is such a yeah. I love that gag. So, said it's a very very funny episode, and I love seeing McLean Stevenson. Uh, in a different kind of situation and get to goof around. And of course that thing of them where they hold up the cards where it says, miss you. Um, it's really very touching. And I love that everybody gets teary eyed and, and you can't help being a viewer uh, having seen these shows. You, it, it holds extra resonance of course, cause you know that Henry's not going to go home. So this oh, yeah. is, you know what I mean? Like to me, it's like the see, you know, something the characters don't. Right. And it just has that extra sadness of like, oh, you know, this is he misses his family so much. And this is, is going to be I hate to And the episode of such a down note, but I can't help it when I see that. You just feel so sad. But at least you get that moment of levity at the end where it's, it's McLean's even goofing around with everybody. It's a really right. great, great bit. So uh, I said, I think that is going to do it for for Dear Dad. Three. So, Paul, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for reaching out and wanting to be on the show. I always like talking to new MASH fans, so thank you for coming on. Well, thank you again for having me, Rob. I, I've really enjoyed speaking with you here. Oh, well, thank you very much. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Of course, you can want to subscribe to the show. You can go follow the show on Apple Podcasts or on Stitcher. You can follow uh, find all the back episodes, back episodes of the show or on the website, which is Fire and Water Podcast. You can leave a comment there. We really would appreciate it. Or you can leave – I can also leave a review on iTunes. I will be doing iTunes reviews at some point this season, so we really would appreciate that. So I guess that is going to do it. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And until next week, that is all. your problem uh let me ask you something did you see me when i first came here yeah well am i uh, darker now than i was then i see what you mean are you sure they gave you the right blood uh it's happened before